Legends, Folklore, and History of New England. A podcast for kids, by kids. Happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Legends, Folklore, and History of New England. I'm Molly. And I'm Bridget. Today we are going to talk about a murder and haunting that you may have heard about. Just warning... Some of this is a little gross and upsetting, so if you think an axe murder might freak you out, you may want to skip past this one. Lucy Borden had an axe she gave her mother 40 once. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 40 once. This is one of those creepy kid rhyming songs like Ring Around the Rosie about the Black Plague or the London Bridges about the bridge actually falling down and killing people that for some reason just stick around for literally hundreds of years. Seriously though, some nursery rhymes are really dark and disturbing. Maybe we should look at those sometime. Well, if you haven't guessed by now, we are going to be talking about the Lizzie Borden murders that took place in Fall River, Massachusetts on August 4th, 1892. And before we get started, the nursery rhyme is a little inaccurate. First, we aren't really sure who committed the murders just Lizzie was the main suspect. Second, there weren't 40 and 41 wax, more like 10 or 17. Which, let's face it, is going to do you in any way, but still. So who is Lizzie Borden? Well, I'm going to tell you. She grew up in Fall River, one of the two daughters of Andrew Borden and Sarah Anthony. Sarah died when Lizzie was only two and her father remarried a woman who would later be killed, Addie. Andrew Borden was rich, like super uber rich, but was very, very stingy. He didn't like spending money at all. He was what you would call now a cheapskate. The family lived in a tiny home away from the large mansions on the hill where all the wealthy and society people of Fall River lived. Their house didn't even have bathrooms or electricity. Even though both existed and Andrew could have easily afforded them, let's just say that Lizzie and her sister didn't share her father's beliefs. They wanted a big house, a bathroom, and to be part of society that normally their wealth would have allowed them to be a part. Like most women at that time, Lizzie was expected to live at home until she got married, but being that her dad wasn't into spending money, she never really had access to leave the house. She did travel with friends traveling to Europe, but she never ended up getting married. When the murders happened, she was around 31, Her sister was about nine years older than her. So that's a bit of the background. Oh, one more thing. Andrew Borden was mean. Like he was just a mean, angry man who didn't really have any friends. Just keep that in mind. The day before the murders, Lizzie's uncle came to visit, but he didn't bring anything with him. Like he was spending the night, but didn't bring a suitcase. Kind of weird. Seriously, when was the last time you stayed a night somewhere and didn't bring a bag? Well, I mean, before the pandemic, because now we can't go anywhere. Right, so on the morning of August 4th, Uncle Lee's dad goes out to visit some of his businesses. The maid, Bridget, prepares breakfast for the family, but isn't feeling so great, so goes to lie down in her room in the attic of the boarding home. One other piece of information you may actually want to keep in mind. The family had been ill for a few days 
Abby actually talked to the doctor because she thought the whole family was being poisoned. Super weird. This whole story is very bizarre with a lot of twists and turns. For real. So, based on the police interviews after the murder, it looks like Lizzie was around the house. She went out to the barn to find some fishing gear. Her sister was out of town. Abby was doing her regular chores, like making up the guest bed. Andrew came home and found the door was locked around 10.30 a.m. Bridget unlocked it for him and told the police that she had heard Lizzie giggle from the top of the stairs at that time. Then she went outside to wash the windows. Lizzie told police she wasn't upstairs but had spoken with her father and when he asked where Abby was, she told him she had received a note and left to visit friends. Andrew then wanted to rest so he laid down on the sofa in the parlor. Lizzie told the police she had helped her dad off out of his boots and into slippers when he laid down. But this case is actually the first case in the U.S., maybe in the world that we know of, that used crime scene photos. One of those photos actually show Andrew actually had his boots on. But Lizzie could have been telling the truth because although they had just started using photography to help solve crimes, they still weren't great at securing crime scenes yet. So people were in and out before and during the police investigation. Also, it is possible someone put his boots on after he was dead to make sure he was kind of presentable. Remembering during Victorian times, people were kind of rigid in their behavior. True. So Lizzie found her father and yelled for Bridget, who was watching windows outside to get help. At this point, no one had seen or heard from Abby since breakfast. A neighbor heard all the screaming and commotion and came to the house with Bridget. She asked where Abby was and Lizzie repeated her story. But Bridget was asked to go upstairs and see if she was upstairs. Bridget didn't want to go upstairs alone, and honestly, I don't blame her with her murdered boss downstairs. So the neighbor goes up with Bridget, and before they are even up the stairs, they can see Abby's body on the floor of the guest room. They didn't have great forensic science at this time, and Lizzie kept changing her story, so she almost immediately became a suspect. They arrested her, and she was sent to trial. Back then, only white men served on juries, which probably worked in Lizzie's favor because the men of this time had a very hard time believing a woman from a wealthy family could ever do something so horrible as chopping up her parents. So Lizzie was acquitted of all charges which means she was not found guilty. After the trial, Lizzie and her sister took all the money they inherited from their father, remember millions of dollars in today's money, and bought a big fancy house on the hill in Fall River where they wanted to live. Lizzie named the house Maplecroft. Lizzie lived there until her death in 1927. Lizzie was shunned by Fall River Society for the rest of her life and lived a pretty lonely existence in her final years. She never talked about the murders and tried to distance herself from them, even changing her name to Elizabeth instead of Lizzie. So there's a lot to this story. We even kept a few pieces out, but like any good murder mystery, it is a definite whodunit. And to this day, no one knows who the real killer is. Was it Lizzie Borden? Maybe there are a few other suspects that have been brought up over the years, too. So we headed over to 2nd Street and Fall River to take a look at the house and the crime scene. The Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast is in Lizzie's original home now. 
they have restored the home to look exactly like it would have looked when the murders took place, even down to the matching carpet and wallpaper patterns. You can book a night and stay there, or you can take a day tour like we did. We will give info on that later. So the house itself is a little creepy, especially because you know two people died there. Our tour guide, Sue Vickery, was awesome. She also adjusted it a bit because, well, we're kids, and she kept some of the gruesome crimes and photos covered until it was okay with my mom and dad that we looked. I didn't look. Bridget did. She grew up in Fall River and is actually related to the Bordens. She knows all about ghost hunting, so she gave us the best spots to put our K2 meter and helped us to try to get Abby, Andrew, Lizzie, or the other spirits there to make contact. No such luck this time, but she shared some videos with us of some EVPs she caught. Chills. Serious chills. So, one of the EVPs she caught, she had a ghost box, and she said, Would you like us to leave? And this was with a tour group at night. She said, would you like to leave? And then a male voice came through and said, why would you leave? So you get to visit every room in the house. I sat on the sofa where Andrew was hatcheted to death. Check out our website for it. And remember how Bridget, the maid, mentioned she heard Lizzie giggle from upstairs? Well, we went up those stairs, and the way the bedrooms were laid out, you could totally see if Abby was lying on the floor before getting to the top. We went into the room where... Abby was murdered, and it was super creepy to think that under the carpet, there's probably still some blood stains. I have to be honest, the house scared me. It looks like a normal, well, old normal, but it was just a weird vibe. I know Bridget wants to go back and stay the night when she's older. I don't want to stay the night, I just want to investigate at night. Actually, I, I would, would never stay the night. I would, I would probably stay the night, though. Totally. We also stopped by and went to Maplecroft, but because it was late and we didn't go in. But yeah, that was definite upgrade. Then mom and dad took us to visit their old townhouse because they live in Fall River for a few years. There was a Kindred Spirits episode that featured Maplecroft, and based on what I'm thinking, Lizzie is definitely still hanging out in Maplecroft, and not so much at the Second Street house. But based on the EVP Sue showed us, Andrew is totally still at the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. We will link a few episodes featuring the Lizzie Borden house in Maplecroft to our website at www.lfhne.com. And if you want to take a tour of the Lizzie Borden house, you can schedule it online. It has to be done online right now because of COVID. But you can visit their website at lizzie-borden.com. We will also link it to our site. So if you find yourself near Fall River, this is a definite two thumbs up stop if you are interested in ghost hunting. Then you can swing by Battleship Cove and take a tour of a bunch of Navy ships. And if you pop across the river, there is a really good ice cream place, Somerset Creamery, but that's seasonal. Thank you, tour guide Molly. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for an all-new episode on the Hockomock Pugwudgies. We would love to hear from you guys. Give us a shout out on Instagram or Facebook or email us at contact at lfhne.com. And don't forget to rate and follow us if you like the show. It helps us get more listeners. Until next time, remember, history is fun, but sometimes a little spooky. Or bloody. Ew. But yeah. See you next week. (laughs) 
Yumpy Yumpkin, you're my sweetie pie. You're my cupcake gumdrop. Today we're going to talk about a murder and a haunting that may, if you may, not mm -hmm. may you. Mm -hmm. The family loved in a, the family loved. Mm -hmm. There's many errors. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was. So you get to visit every room in the house. I sat on the sofa, sofa, <laughs> for an all new episode on the Hawk Mako, Paco Mock. Hawk mock? It's hawk a hawk mock, yeah. Hawk, hawk mock puckwudgies. I know puckwudgies, but hawk mock? Hawk mock. Hawk mock. Hawk mock. Yes. Or email us at kids. Nope. That's Facebook. That is incorrect. That's Instagram. 